Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, you got a family? I don't care. Cancelled. Oh, you, you got kids to feed? You got kids to feed, have you? Boom! <laughs> when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slaps, slaps, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through that mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. He's just trying to be... It's just hilarious. He's trying to be Winston Churchill, right, but he's Neville Chamberlain. It's Neville Longbottom, mate. Welcome back to the... Drink it in. We're home. Feel it. It's where we belong. It's where we should be. The Arsenal. It's where we deserve to be. Mikel Arteta's Tricky Reds. We're coming back. This back. is the full version. <laughs> what is this? Is this some sort of... <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> Jesus music. Welcome back to the Different Podcast. Fuck How are you doing? Uh, a lighthearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Mardi Brown, very good friend. Bradley Adams. That's definitely not going to get clipped up and used against us at all. We're definitely not going to be crying come the end of the season. No, just believe, believe, <laughs> trust. Trust the process, Brad. Trust the, trust process, the process as you have always oh, I, done. I do. As you have oh, always done. I definitely done. haven't. I definitely haven't. What was it? Three calls from Mikel's head, I think. I think I count on this podcast. Um, it depends I think it how was many two it de- and a sort of I'm done with everything. I, I think I remember one was just yeah. I'm done with everything. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like um, it depends how many you want to count from December last year because I think for a stretch of about ten podcasts in a row, I said he should he should be sacked. So if we count that as one, I think it's two <laughs> two calls for him to be sacked, which I, I will defend myself and say they weren't unjustified. At the time, they weren't unjust. They were, they were, they were quite. It, it wasn't like that. That was out of the realm of possibility. That no. it wasn't like I yeah. was. Yeah, you had your, you had your reasons. I disagreed. It but was you had a, your reasons. That's fine. Yeah, and it, it is not like I, I'm still doing it now, and th- like the same nonces that are getting Mikel out tweeting, like t- trending every week, which is so strange. Um, but yeah, to defend myself, I don't think either were were that crazy a shout. But uh, I'm I'm more than happy to admit that I, I was completely wrong. There you go. And do you know what? We could look at this at the end of the season and he could finish eighth again and we could have to have a conversation about whether we think that we're really making progress. But I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I think I think we're we're very much in the driver's seat for top four. And with the I think West Ham are pretty much falling out of it now. You know, and like I said at the beginning of the season, sixth is good, steady progress. Gives us the opportunity to build, and I'm I'm happy with that. Yes, yes, yeah, mate. I I 
I'm feeling really positive. You know, there was a clip of that guy on AFTV going around this morning saying we've got the best young league, a uh, young team in the world. Uh, we'll be in the Champions League next season, and looking at the table makes very nice viewing. I keep going. I keep mm-hmm. clicking BBC Sport. I keep googling it. Uh, clicking top right, click football, click table. That's my little sort of routine. And I love it. You don't even have to click the table. You don't even... Do you know I, I go on Sky Sports? You don't even have to click the table. You could already see us. It's beautiful. Well, don't you don't have it. to click to view the whole table. You get that little preview. Oh, you're I already see in it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh. <sighs> Show it's my tech. sensational. Tech downfall. How are you, Brad? I, I, do you know what? I am. I'm great. I That's have good. not felt so positive about this football club for a long time. I am. Um, before we talk Arsenal, I watched the Rooney documentary last night on Amazon Prime. Um, okay, the one where he says he, he went out to try and hurt somebody. That one, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If anyone else has watched it, tweet tweet in and 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 let me know. I, I I'll give it a watch for the next episode, and we can have a discussion about it then. Okay, it, it's. I feel like there there was a better documentary in in Rooney's career. I mean, I won't bore everyone with my kind of dramaturgical thoughts about the way it was constructed, but basically it just left me feeling a little bit sort of, I don't know, bored really. But what the one bit that kind of felt relevant to this podcast was him sort of his sort of come up against Arsenal his his goal against David Seaman when he was a 16 year old and all that sort of stuff and how he described Arsenal and how he described us as a, a team who he basically was like oh, you know I didn't realize how fucking big they were and I think it's different now and teams are um teams need different things I don't think the sort of emphasis on physicality is as important in this league anymore I think it is about technicality I would say the sort of pendulum has slightly swung although both are always important mm-hmm. But I think looking at that team yesterday, I was thinking, well, watching that documentary, what what is a young player now going to be looking at a team and thinking, fucking hell, they're good. What, what, what are they going to be looking at? And I look at that team now and I think technical security. We're not mate, using the mate, ball the way that we... in, in, the, in the absolute stupid ways we used to do. And it, it wasn't even necessarily stupid, which is consistently lost the ball. And we were able to stranglehold Brentford yesterday. Uh, uh, Alex, and of course a- it's, Alex. Sabios, Sabios played for us. A lot this of the ways true. we lost the ball was stupid. Let's be, <laughs> let's true. be honest. Or over his head, but you know, like because that, of- that's that's the that's the real that's the real sorry to cut you off, but that's the real testing marker of how far we've come and how and that's why I am so positive because if if you look at us last season to now, it's chalk and fucking cheese. We'd lose the ball making three yard passes or having a fucking Beyblade in the middle spinning himself round and around and around like he's a fucking I don't even know who made the song I'm just going to say it was a Kanye West record but it definitely wasn't <laughs> hey that's a good documentary another one um, yeah I, I just I feel very very secure with this team and I feel very you know and, and look of course we have lack of strength and depth we have you know it, uh, when lack players go threat. down we have a lack we have lack of threat up front literally um, <laughs> you know there are issues with the team but I look at it now and I think in a way and, and to come on to my word of the game it's managed because in a way I feel like we've and Elliot Smith uh, sort of alluded to this on, on the Instant Reaction podcast or the Arsenal Vision podcast and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I sort of concur with it I think Mikel has got this team playing at or near its full potential I mean, right now, in terms of the ages of the players, the profiles of the players, the the triangles that are forming. I mean, some of the combinations that are happening on that pitch are unbelievable. The positional rotation is fantastic. The the how many people we commit forward, how many people we're able to keep back, our ability to keep the ball and strangle Burnley, and the way we did that yesterday. You know, of course, there's issues with the team. But I think those come with maturity. I think those come with more bodies. I think those come with more experience. I don't see the 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 issues with the team being structural anymore. I don't see the issues with the team. I think I look at our attacking structure now, and I think elite. I just think it's elite. And it and looks I, at personnel. It looks at it, it's it, last season. The conversation was about the structure, about the way we approached games, about the way we played games. 
And that was where the conversations were having. And you can and you can notice the shift on Twitter if you go back and you look at it or or in articles. The conversation is all about how we are setting up and how we are playing and how that is failing. That's not the conversation anymore. The conversation is now about are the personnel that are in the system good enough? Yeah. Because the system's good enough, but the people in it aren't. Yeah. And that, and th- that's what I mean by like, this is such chalk and cheese. This is such a a gargantuan leap forward that, okay, it might not look gargantuan come the end of the the season if we finish sixth. You know, people will go, oh, we've only moved up two places or whatever. But the platform that we are giving ourselves to move on to next season is is just phenomenal, honestly. Yep, it really is. It really is. I saw a, a screenshot of um, Xavi's team, Barcelona team, Guardiola's Man City and Arteta's Arsenal set up in basically the same way um, in terms of our our attacking structure, which obviously makes sense. Sort of three players ready to combine on the right, three ready to combine on the left. And, you know, you can look at it in all sorts of different ways. People talk about pods. People talk about, you know, um, the central cog of Lacazette and the, the importance of him. You, 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 can, you can sort of slice it any way you want, really. Ultimately, what we're seeing is, a, is possession. Uh, which is what was one of the aims that, you know, I think Arteta has in his sort of philosophies. He wants the ball. We're seeing a lot more of the ball now. And we're also seeing domination. We're, we're able to keep the ball high up the pitch and keep that pressure on. And that is, you know, from all you can tell from what Arteta, you know, speaks about his football philosophy, that is something he wants. So I, I just, I'm, you know, of course, and it's Brentford and caveat, caveat, of course. But I think it's so positive to see the structure becoming so so secure and that's why my word of the game is managed because I think we not only manage the game we're not only managing this this title race really well and we're, we're winning the games that we should win Mikel Arteta I think has reached a point where he just needs additions now you know we, he, we've seen that he can yep. coach a coach a, a fantastic structure and credit to him and and it's it's so exciting absolutely and it's not even just that we're improving on his philosophies. It's the fact that we're, because we we saw a lot of the ball in in a lot of games last season, but we didn't do a lot with it. We're doing so much with the ball and we're moving the ball. And that kind of brings me onto my word of the game, which is vision. And I think that there's different facets to that. There is a clear vision of where this squad and club are going under this manager. The vision that these players have when they are on the pitch and the security with the way that they play is undeniably brilliant. And the vision of the board, whether we call it a gamble or whether we call it amazing foresight to not sack this manager has to be commended. We can all have our conversations come the summer if we think that they haven't invested enough to give us that next platform that we need. We can all have lots of different conversations, but the one thing that we have to commend is the vision to, and it takes a big pair of steely bollocks to do that, to sit on it and to go, nope, we believe in this. This is what we're going to do. We get it's going to piss you off, but you'll see where we're, you'll see where we're going. And, and we see it now. I see it now. You see it now. I think it's clear to see it now. Last it. season. I saw it a while ago. But interesting. Well, I mean, last <laughs> season we were on 32 points, I think, at this start of the season or something or a lot less. We've got like 12 more points at this at this point in the season this year. Like it is clear and obvious that we are moving forward. And it's also to try and link this into vision as well. He's I going, watch for, he's a going team. for the word of the game battle. He's trying I to am, get the win. I am. <laughs> I I watch a team that last season would have crumbled after the amount of decisions we didn't get get go go for us we're not going to discuss refs this game you know our opinions on it we had four stonewall penalties not given last year we lose that game one nil we crumble the mentality goes we're not in the right place last year that that game goes from us as soon as two of those decisions happen this year there has been a clear vision instilled into these boys to keep going and to keep fighting and to keep going up until, you know, the last minutes of the game. And I, I, it's beautiful to see. It's It really is. I am, I am so happy. 
Yeah, I mean, your last one was a bit of a stretch, but look, look I, I do agree it with was, the togetherness. It was. <laughs> I agree with the listen, togetherness. Listen, I've got a Octoguna. You've got to, you've got to respect the graft, all right? He loves you, mate. Don't worry. What did he say to you last week? He said, word of the game battle, you won 3-1. You've got another one. Resolute beats referee, censored. And he even said, mate, you even used the word resolute after. So it's fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, Bradley the, na- the, well, the word that. vision now now must not enter your vocabulary for yeah. the rest of this podcast <laughs> yeah yeah literally <laughs> it becomes like yeah. minesweeper yeah <laughs> um yeah the togetherness I think is, is another great factor of this and something that Mikel talks about in his post-match he says you know there's a difference is he, he even talked about the the games at the beginning of the season the the three that we we lost he said, like, I feel like we almost needed to go through that now to, to see the togetherness to, to you know, and I wish we hadn't had to. But in a way, yeah. you know, if it brought the team closer together and we sort of realised our our goals a little bit uh, more succinctly, you know, I think I, 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 I if, it, if it had to happen, it had to happen. And, and it's brought a team together and, you know, just sort of heading into the game now, it means we're all on the same play, same page from minute one. You know, so it was a great start. You know, we combining well in the space on the right. Erdegaard looked. Erdegaard was unbelievable yesterday, and for a man, you know, for, I, th- I want to talk about the captaincy actually, in in and talk about the Jacker incident, etc. In news and views, because I think that's an interesting topic. But just mm. on quickly, he looks more and more like a captain every single match I watch him. He combines so well. I think that that sort of the three on the right, the Saka. Uh, um, I was going to call him Urzil, which, by the way, when he didn't shoot with his right foot, I thought, "Fucking hell, shades of Urzil." Um, that's the, the the combinations on the right of Saka, Erdegaard, and Cedric. Credit to Cedric, you know, he's not the most talented player, but he's because he's got a left foot. He's, Another decent he, game under his belt. Yeah, he's able to to combine well, and it, it was a decent game. But I thought Erdegaard's positional rotation, his ability to be available, his ability to wriggle out space, to cross his his cross field passes are unbelievable. He's able to get the ball in all sorts of positions on the half turn, on his right, on his left. You know, uh, there are deficiencies deficiencies to his game. I'd, I'd I'd always like to see him be a little bit stronger, a little bit more athletic. But I think for someone to run our midfield as that sort of right eight as he is becoming. I can't think of anyone else that 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 I can I can see in that position, other than in a Man City team who I'd want there. You know, I just think he's he's becoming a, a star for us. A star, an he's becoming, star. He's becoming unplayable, and you have to consider as well. Thirty million pounds is just such a bargain. You look at what thirty million pounds has been spent on. You know, uh, Chenk Tosin, I think, cost Everton that amount of money. Gilfie Sigurdsson cost fifteen million pounds more to Everton. Alex Iwobi. Than you know, Alex Iwobi, all of these, all of these players. I don't think you can dilute how much of an amazing fee that is to pay for somebody of of just his unbounding quality. And it will only get better in the sense of one of the biggest issues I see this team having is the fact that our centre forward just can't pin a centre back. He can't draw attention because they know that he's not a threat. He doesn't pull them tight to him. There's not a there's not a doubt in their mind. So the spaces become more cramped for players like Erdegaard, for Saka, and for Cedric on that right hand side, and then you know Smithrow and Xhaka and Tierney on that left hand side because they're just able to open out that back line a bit more because there's no. There's no fear factor through the middle. As soon as that comes, you will see the explosion of Smith Rowe or Martinelli, who's playing on the left in numbers, goals and assists, and Saka and Erdegaard on the right, because they will have more space to do their jobs. But it is testament to how good they are that they're managing to do those jobs now with the with the almost in, the decrease, I think, in space, because yep. that, that back line can just open out a bit more. Um, there's it's it's sensational. I, I we've managed to replace Özil perfectly, and but better, with better. a with a more with a yeah, but with a more modern player. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for, we've for replaced sure. what what was probably probably the best number ten, like traditional number ten of all time in Özil, with a more modern, more athletic 
player who can put in the hard yards, who can drop, who, whilst he didn't take that shot on his right foot, put in a beautiful right-footed cross. Like, mm. yeah, uh, and, and, I, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't fault that him or that deal. Or, and I think that there are a lot of Ars- there are loads of Arsenal fans this season, and loads of agents and loads of everyone holding fat L's over so much, and it's it's beautiful to see. Yourself included, um, yeah. The, yeah, the, mate, I love being humbled. It's great. The yeah, mate. The uh, when I criticise his athleticism, I, I I sort of more mean his sort of his spring, his sort of it's not yeah physicality to a degree, but he's, he's so good on the ball, it, it kind of doesn't matter. It's more his his ability to to cover five yards, ten yards quickly, but his pressing is 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 magnificent he oh, works so mate. hard for the team the, and another thing as well another thing to add onto the striker thing i think once he has some more movement ahead of him centrally because so often he has the ball centrally and there's nothing going ahead of him lacazette's puffed out sorry lack of threats puffed out and he can't you know he's not easy he's he, got the meat sweats he's got the meat sweats he's he was up on Uber Eats the night before um and <laughs> you know like the <laughs> I stole that off someone. I can't remember. If I stole it off someone. Might remember. Um, it is funny, uh, but oh yeah. The, once we get some some movement ahead of him, it will it will open up. A, as you say, it will open up all sorts of doors. Um, and in terms of the the goal explosions or the the number explosions, we we might be able to be uh, we might be seeing that already with Smith Rowe. Um, oh mate, yeah. The the only thing first player since Sesk. To, to score 10 plus goals in a season. Yes. First place since Sesk in 2009-2010. Um, he's in the top five, I think. Is it the top five goal scorers in the league this season? That has less penalty, less... He's, less, on, he's um, on the same as uh, Ronaldo and Mane. Ronaldo but... and... <coughs> we'll come, we'll come yeah. to him, we'll come to him. Um, Mate. Yeah, the only, th- the only thing left to say on Odegaard, I, I wish he'd shot in that position when he was sort of 10 yards out. Um but he, he, I think that's something that needs to improve in the sense of, I, I tweeted this out and I think I worded it wrongly because you thought I was blaming Arteta. I find it weird and I see this at a, I, I see this at a lot of clubs that p- players that are so dominantly one-footed just don't improve on their weaker foot. You, we've seen it with Xhaka pretty much over the length of his stay here. He's not improved on that right foot. And I wonder, I do start to wonder why that is and if that's being worked on enough because surely you just say to that player, you know, okay, play right-footed in training for a month. Don't use your left foot at all. Just to improve it, I, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I do wonder why, why there isn't enough professional and personal development going into certain players' weaker foots because... In moments where that one shot could really count for us, it didn't matter today. You need that player to be taking that shot. The thing is, I I know what you mean, but if you, if I'm in a situation where I'm through, I'm very right-footed, like hilariously right-footed, right? And I could train for 10 years on my left if in some parallel universe I had to step up and take a free kick or a penalty at a World Cup, I would still take it on my right because it's like it's like ingrained into me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of. of course, I of think course. there's like a so in a game situation, I think ultimately you're going to rely on the foot that you feel more comfortable with, which and you can work on your weak foot, but I think you're, there's always going to be angles that, and also angles that your body is more comfortable with. If you look at Xhaka, his body literally doesn't look like it can open out his hips don't look like they can open out to his right he 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 is if you if you imagine Jacker passing a ball I imagine his left foot swinging forward and his body coming across him and I can't imagine it the other way it doesn't look right for some reason there's something there's something about his body that doesn't sort of go that way um so I'm sure we're working on it I just think there's a comfortability with it and and there's a sort of ceiling on it I guess I know I, I get you I think it's I a more mental that- thing to be honest you're also, and I understand what you're saying about a free kick or a penalty. And I'm not disagreeing that you should take free kicks and penalties with your with your strongest foot. But it's more in game moments like that moment. We lost that opportunity. Like we didn't get a shot off or an opportunity from that. Really, I don't. I don't think. Not that because more, we made because he yeah because he made the decision to not shoot on the right foot. And in those moments, if that's if that's the difference between. 
zero points at a point getting that shot off and scoring or one point and three points or you're in a knockout you're in a knockout game it's important that players that just take those opportunities because at the end of the day if you miss and it's on your weak foot you miss but it's better to take that shot and miss it than literally not get a shot at all because you know what maybe if, even if one in 10 goes in that's still going to be more fruitful than than not taking the opportunity I completely I completely agree. I just think in in this situation you have half a second and your instincts are going to kick in and and, and uh, look Erdegaard should have shot in that situation and we should be working our weak foot so I don't disagree with that. I just think in that situation it's kind of an instinctual thing. You, you know you have that so you know if Martinelli's in that situation it doesn't matter what foot he's on he's shooting. Do you know what I mean there's, there's like a there's like a different mentality around it and that's why you have that sort of Luis Suarez poacher killer thing. The Odegaard just doesn't have, but, you know, it, that's not his game. And, I, uh, you know, so to some degree you sort of, you wish you wish he did, but there are limitations on everyone's game and, and, and that's one of his. So um, speaking of weak foot, Cedric had some lovely left foot deliveries. Had a good game. Um, mm-hmm. The, yeah, j- j- just one more thing sort of structurally before we get into sort of the more individual moments. The distances as well between the players is so consistent and so good. You could, in every build-up now, the the margins and the sort of variations in between where we should be stood have completely changed. And if you look at our midfield, it's sort of becoming, well, it's definitely yesterday in, so, in terms of the opposition we were facing because they didn't offer much going forward. Party was a kind of lone midfielder and Xhaka and, and Odegaard pushed up and you could see that triangle at all times not only offering a triangle in the midfield, but offering a triangle um, out wide as well. And those those distances are so clear, so in between the lines, able to reach each other. And it means you can move the ball a lot quicker through the midfield, get the ball a lot quicker up the pitch, whether it's centrally, which is sort of not really our game at the moment, but often down the right or left-hand side. And, and that takes coaching to know where to stand that that's mm. the invisible stuff that most fans aren't going to see. The 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 fact that you're stood two yards closer, so you get the angle on that pass or whatever. The fact you're stood a yard further away, so you're behind the defender, so you create space for that person. Where you know, depending on the situation, I think these are the invisible things that take a lot, a lot of coaching to know. For example, and you see it in moments like you know when Erdegaard did that. Um, the feint where he went to go for the ball and let yeah. it run to, to Saka. He knows Saka's going to be there because he knows someone has to be in lane five on that situation. So when you know that's, if, if you train every day knowing in this situation, in this phase of the build up, someone's going to be in lane five, you, you don't have to worry about it. So I, I just think yeah. that's the hours on the coaching, on the, on the, on the training pitch that, that, that go into it. That is just, uh, it's so nice to see the offside goal. I mean, I I don't want to go on the John Moss thing. I, I think he was sort of letting loads it's of little Xhaka's things go. offside. What? This this wasn't explained, but it's Xhaka right. that's offside. That's where the call comes from. So Xhaka's shoulder is offside when he receives the right. ball. Okay. Lacazette is onside. Because so it's it's not that they called Lacazette being offside. It's Xhaka being called offside. Yeah, I I, I saw first time I saw it, I was like. This needs a look, surely, because I looked at Lacazette. I was like, "Hang on, I've seen I've Cavani last minute against whoever it was, Wolves or whatever, you know, whatever team it was." Like these, this needs a look. But okay, fair enough. But I mean, I mean, we won't talk about John Moss much. But I mean, the the he was hopeless today, but hopeless for both teams. I felt that Brentford could have had a couple of calls for free kicks that they didn't get. Yeah, it was just I just I just thought was... he was hopeless. Yeah. Anyway, um, how can you how can how can you have four Stonewall penalties? Like all four of them are penalties turned down. Yeah, you could understand giving a few of them, right? You because once you've given like I could understand not giving every decision, but all four of them, and the fact that VAR was involved for that unbelievable save from Johan Visser in the box. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what. What is going on in this country? Some the PGMOL needs to be investigated because it is becoming a point where there is. You said it last episode. If you were inclined to believe in conspiracy theories, you're getting a lot of evidence to support your theory. Well, apparently, there's there's going to be in a similar way to the elite player development thing, which happened in 2012. There's going to be an elite referee 
development thing from from the FA scheme, which I'm I massively welcome. It needs to be not the same twelve white guys from the same place. Like it, there needs to be a massive diversification. There needs to be a massive increase in salary and all the things we talked about before. I love that we say we're not going to talk about referees and talk about referees, but it is relevant because because like yeah, it changes the the Disband game. the PGMOL as well. They're useless. They're useless. The PGMOL are actually useless to the game of football. I'd love to see you at the FA, Brad. Just, just get rid of them, uh, Bradley, Mate, Bradley. Stick me in charge. Stick me in charge of the Premier League, Bradley. We've got a problem with the under eights. Get rid of them. We've got um, uh, one of our under eights is crying because he hasn't got. Just get rid of him, um, Bradley. We just t- the- terminate the contract. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley, the canteen. Let get rid of her. Get rid of her. <laughs> get somebody in who's cheaper. Come on. You're like a despot. Um, we were going direct quite a lot. Ruthless. Which I quite liked. Uh, with Ramsdale and with, um, we're going going sort of forward, get trying to get it to um, our forward players. Um, I, I thought it had a bit of a... Do you remember the Watford game, which we won 1-0? Mm. It had a bit of that about it. They, that you were at. That I was at. That game... And, and I was there, wasn't I, Alex? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Bradley Adams was there. Sorry if, if anyone from Arsenal.com is listening. Um, get rid of him. Um, the <laughs> Yeah, it kind of had that feel of it about it where you're sort of watching it and you're thinking, okay, we're dominating. We've got the ball. To be fair, we were a lot higher at the pitch against Brentford than, than Watford. And Watford actually had more chances than Brentford. Um, they literally had like one man. <laughs> if they had Tony, they might have been able to hold the ball a bit more in midfield and get it forward. But um, the... I think there was a sort of feeling of we've got to make one of these count, um, which was which was concerning. And I think after the fact, you always just go, oh, it's fine, you know, 2-1, good, good victory into the next one. But there was a while sort of around the end of the first half, just at the beginning of the second, where you're starting to think, is this one of those days? And I think ultimately it comes back to those doubts are always going to creep in earlier because look at our bench. What do we have on the bench? You know, I tweet at half time. Well, at least we can bring Abamyang, Vlahovic, and Isaac off the bench. And it's like, you know, what, what in these situations? I think there's going to be there's going to be games, there's going to be days, and there's going to be podcasts where we sit here and we say, if only we had X to bring off the bench. Because yes, it's mm. working, and and today we got the goal, and we should talk about Sakharin Smithrow in a second. But there's going to be days where we we're frustrated, and this could have been one of them. And it's a oh, bit, it's a mate, bit, it's easily, a little bit my easily. grandmother. But. I mean, it, it is and it isn't because it, it, this is the, this is the game that we play. And, we, and you know, this, the, this is what we saw against Burnley. This is exactly what we saw against Burnley a couple of weeks ago, you know. And when margins are so tight, you, in the league table, you do have to, take those opportunities and give yourself those cushions and it did feel like for a while that do you know what it felt like do you remember that I think it I think it was Burnley the one I think it was a one-all draw and we had like two penalty claims turned down and we just couldn't get the ball in the net like yeah. it was it the most obvious handball you've ever seen against Pepe oh yes penalty yeah, he just wasn't yeah, given yeah, 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 twice yeah. like the one where it's like where, where he the guy handballs it twice in a row yeah. and neither decision gets given and that's what the game started to feel like, that no matter what we did, we we weren't going to be able to to get the ball in the net and, and, and win the game. But I think, again, this is what I mentioned when we first started. There has been a mentality instilled in these boys to just not let it affect them, keep your heads up and to push on. But one thing that I will say, and I'm going to steal this from somebody on Twitter, we are far too naive sometimes in that we had a penalty claim and then played on for two minutes, kick the fucking ball out, let them check it on VAR because part of the optics around those, those kind of moments is they'll go, they'll think, Oh, well, you know, a team who really expected a penalty aren't just going to play on for two minutes, just fucking hoof it long out for a, a goal kick for Brentford Get rid of and it. let them check it. <laughs> And just let them check it because then it, it le- I think that sometimes we're our own worst enemy by just trying to get on with things. 
Put pressure on them. Make them check it. Get the crowd on their back. Yeah, we can, we can, we can help ourselves a bit more. Um, I, th- I, you know, I, 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 we, we have made the rod for our own back, and we know it. And I think we're performing very well. Um, but there will be games where we struggle. And and you know, I look at that Man City bench, and I look at the Chelsea bench, and I look at the Liverpool bench, and it's different. It's a different makeup. It's it's the different people on it. Obviously, that's how football works. But there, there is a kind of inevitability I feel at sometimes where you just you you sigh a little bit earlier. Do you know what I mean? You sort of go, yeah. Is well, this when be you're one looking at Enketia, now we actually now we have Pepe back. That's a big positive because he came on for a, a decent little cameo. But yeah, um, the fact that Enketia is probably our main attacking substitution through the middle yeah. just and he looks, it gives it, it gives me cold sweats. It gives me cold sweats. He looks disinterested. And when you think. Friggin' Woot Woot Weghorst went right. to Burnley and is playing like I don't know, like just beautiful football. They've won their second game this season, and I'm going to say it's beautiful. Yeah, football have you even watched it for Burnley? <laughs> no, I've watched the I watched the, I watched the game. Well, I mean, I've watched the highlights. He looks decent. He combines well. He's six foot six. I watched That's highlights. about all I know about him. <laughs> uh, to be fair, he's got he's got a good finish on him. He does have a good finish on him. This is vintage Adams. This we should get vintage Adams. Why, why did we get Voot Veghorst in? How much you watched of him? Watch some highlights. Um, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I was kind of I was in that position where don't diss my big man Voot. Don't diss. Sorry, it. sir. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Um, you and you're getting into like creative solution area. I was thinking. Pepe for Xhaka, two up top, swap a meal and Bakayo over. Do you know what I mean? It was, you're getting into very creative solutions here and you want, you oh. want quality to bring off the bench. And we, we'll get that next season, but it is frustrating. Anyway, we've met, I'll make that point. There's, um, we're going to get a lot. This summer's going to be a big summer. There's going to need to be a lot of players through the top. This summer's going to be a big summer. The following summer will be a big summer. Last summer was a big summer. It's a it's an important season for Arsenal this season. Next season, an important season for Alex, this is what happens when you cancel about 19 contracts. You actually need playing stuff. Brad, if you were in charge, we'd have cancelled 20. Um, so, probably. Uh, yeah, wait, it was just wave after probably, wave. Probably cancelled the, 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 the longest serving scout just to, yeah. just to assert my dominance. <laughs> just to stamp Adams' authority. It could be amazing at his job and I just tell him to fuck off. Yeah. Oh, you got a family? I don't care. Cancelled. Um, oh, you, you got kids to feed. You have kids to feed, have you? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> uh, I don't care if they're virtual or football manager. Uh, Arsenal attempted 32 crosses in the first half. The most they've had in an entire game this season was 35 against Burnley. Um, and 16 attempts. In, like as a- 16 attempts in the first half, which I think is a record in the Premier League. I mean, like 12 corners or something. We were completely all over them, but it, it did have a feel of a sort of fucking hell, here we go sort of day. But we we here we go in a different way, didn't we? Here we go. Hey. Hey. Uh, with a goal from Smith Rowe at the beginning of the second half. Um, great run, great finish. Good ball from Lacazette out to him, but it's it's all him. Um, I, I can't help but feel it's it was instruction to be a bit more direct. Um Smithrow's had his teeth done. Have you noticed? Has he? Yeah, he's got new teeth. No, I... They don't really fit in his mouth. Ooh. He's a bit like... He's like... Yeah, you know. Um, so, uh, so, uh. <laughs> it was a great goal. <laughs> you going to contribute? This is a, There's two people on this podcast, but I'll just keep talking. So anyway... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did... I did I, if I'm honest, Alex, the teeth chat has just flown my head. I did... I did Lord knows what to say after that. Has he had his teeth done? Wow. They look white. They look like teeth. But, but we, we, this is our style, Brad. We do anecdotes. We this do is anecdotal. our witty, witty banter. It's our repartee. It's what the people come to listen to. It was a good finish, wasn't it? It was <laughs> crisp. It was a goal. That's what happened. The goal, the ball went in the back of the net. The ball hit the back of the net. <laughs> yeah. Smithrow got the ball. He went inside the penalty box and then he hit the ball and it went oh. in the back of that and that's good that is a good thing for the team isn't it was it? almost uh, yeah um, it was just a good goal I mean, to be honest there's not much you could say about it. it didn't come from much um, Lacazette as I say oh. played a nice ball out to him but I mean it was all him um, 
And he's a baller. Yeah. <laughs> You've lost it, mate. Is it the teeth comment? It is. It is. My head's fucking spinning. Oh, that was funny. It, have you got some teeth insecurities at the moment? What's going on? No, no. It was just quite funny. Just, he just started talking about his teeth. Thomas Partey had a good game. I'll, I'll try with this one, Brad. It might help you out. He did. Um, he did. He, there we go. He was... This one I wrote down. <clears throat> he was always available and able to break away from his marker and get it forward. Thomas Partey versus mm-hmm. Brentford. 59 passes with a 90% passing accuracy. Two key passes. Three tackles, which was the most. Two fouls won, which was the most. Nine duels won. And one assist. It's a good game. Ooh. His decision-making is getting better, but he does need to be fined for every shot he takes because some of them are just whiffing. It, uh, like, what's it... <sighs> One thing, and I, and I think I've voice noted this to you before. Probably. That is possibly the most frustrating thing about football for me is when paid professionals just make the worst decisions on the planet on a football pitch. Like there was a moment with Lacazette where he had Smith Rowe open to his left and Saka open to his right and three defenders in front of him and decided to shoot. Who do you think you are? You have the most lateral brain I've ever witnessed. What do you mean? You just, just I'll go like, oh, Thomas Partey had a good game. You're like, yeah, Thomas Partey, shooting, shooting, right. Well, yeah, shooting, this. <laughs> I do agree, though. I, I do agree, Brad. I do agree. Um, we Maybe we should find... It, 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 there was a shot in the second half where he did he did a sort of scoop thing. Did you see that? And it went over. Maybe we should do a... If the ball goes behind, you get fined 30 grand. And if you let the crowd know, if you like announced it at the beginning of the game, <laughs> like every time the ball goes behind from Thomas Partey's foot, he's getting fined 30 grand and you're all getting it. You're all getting a quid or something. You're all getting 50p. <laughs> to split up Mate, all you're, ever, all you're ever going to hear is... Shoot! Shoot! <laughs> shoot! Shoot! Um, <laughs> Lacazette had an easy slide through to Bukayo that he absolutely fucked at one point um, and I also I want to shout out our defence today I thought Gabriel and White were excellent again Gabriel was impervious dealing, as always Gabriel was good word Gabriel was dealing with Mbermo really well um, and just didn't give him a sniff really I think they had one really good pass from I can't, can't remember who it was but it was a really good pass through where it looked like it could be on um and obviously they got their goal, but it was a bit bollocks. But I thought defensively wise, it was it was it was very good. And then the second goal, bit of pinball, yeah. Bit. Oh, and what a finish from Makaya as well. Yeah, I oh. I kind of I, I watched it back after the game, and it was a really good fucking finish. It was like a proper fucking have it. Do you know what I mean? It was really nice. Yes. Did both of them go in off the post? Did the Smith Rowe go in off the post? I think so. Then yeah, probably maybe. Did they both go off the post? Am I making that up? It felt a the bit. The Saka one definitely clipped the post. It felt a little bit. Anything you can do, I can do better. It was. It was very good. And also, I think, <coughs> I think Saka on the left is something we should explore in game. I think in general his body and as an option, yeah, his body position is better on the right. Like I prefer him on the right as a cutting in, and I think he combines better on the right. However. In game, if the spaces are available on the left, stick Saka on the left because he he when he can open up his body and get a ball in, he he's he's just magic. His left foot is unbelievable. So I think we're going to see that a lot this season, as in like as our with our options off the bench. Yeah, you know, in you know now Pepe's back, we might see that switch happen. Yeah. a couple more times. I think also he, because he's on the left, he's I think he hit Lacazette a lot easier. Um, I wish I could hit Lacazette mm. at times. Um, he hit him a lot easier with the ball in on his left and was able to run forward and the Lacazette found him again. And I think those angles are available a bit more to sack on that left-hand side. So yeah, I, I, I it's an option. And I think in-game, why not have a bit more positional rotation? I think Fergie's teams do it way, used to do it loads, just constantly swapping over. Giggs and Ronaldo or whoever it was on their wings would just constantly swap over. Um, and I, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Oh, oh. Anything else on the game? Nothing from me. 
your head is spun. Absolutely spun. Uh, it, that teeth, that teeth comment genuinely is, is just. I don't know you why. Watch an interview with him. It just, his teeth have his teeth have changed. But also, like, I'll, I'll they, give it they a don't look. look, I'll give it a look. The thing with like fake teeth and like veneers is they don't look like teeth. They, look they just like, don't look real. They just don't look real. It's like they Firmino. look plastic. They're so white that they're like they look almost blue. They're like the the what's his name in the um oh Game of Thrones the Night Crawler whatever it's called what's he called the Night Man <laughs> the Night King the Night King that's it. <laughs> Like it's it's so white that it's kind of it kind of goes beyond reality. Yeah, and it's maybe, just maybe that's not what he wants as well. It, it's just really it's really bad for your especially at your age because you have to get them redone like every ten years. You basically end up with like dentures when you're forty or forty-five because but because it destroys like the roots of your teeth. So yeah. I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. The the want behind it because you're basically destroying your teeth for your later years. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess they have so much weird. money that they think I don't care. <laughs> it gets yeah, to the point where you're like, you enough. know, you're going to be rich for the rest of your life. So you're like, wow, I've got to have a denture, I think. So my, oh, I've been having a Invisalign treatment, and two of my teeth just aren't playing ball. Um, and they think they want to take them out. So I'm going to have to have a denture while they do an implant for me. And I think it's going to be wow. my, not my front teeth, but my next to them. So I, you might say, I might have to, I might, I might be shiny like ish. You might, you might come to football with, to... with two missing teeth. <laughs> yeah, I might, or I might fall out during mid football. I think I've got to have like that, you know, like fixo dent stuff. And I honestly, I'm a nightmare. Um, so yeah, you can, you can mock me for that if you want, Brad. Uh, nah, would, I wouldn't do that to you. Thanks, thanks, Brad. I absolutely <laughs> would, but I, no, I wouldn't do that to you. We'll see you after this. Oh wait, no, no hang on. Is. I wanted to do a little quippy. Hang on, and it was a good, oh, a good knockabout with the, what was the quote? A good, good kick about kick with the about boys. With the, the boys. Uh, we'll see you after this. News and games. Here we go. Saka and Nemels with Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, turn on the notifications, leave us a review, and please support us on Patreon. We get access to ad-free versions of the main podcast and the preview podcast for just £3 a month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can buy me a coffee. Anything you can give, monthly or one-off, helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. Anything for news and views, Brad, before I jump in? Anything you want to discuss? Uh, Teeth? I mean, I think the main topic of conversation is is the Xhaka incident, which was a bit strange. Yeah, we'll get to that. The, um, the one thing I wanted to discuss was the three games in six days thing. So the fixtures have been rearranged. Arsenal have yeah. now had their Liverpool fixture at home in the Premier League rearranged to Wednesday, the 16th of March at 8.15. But it now means that Arsenal play Leicester at 4.30 on the Sunday. We play in the evening on the Wednesday and then we play the early kickoff on the Saturday against Aston Villa. That's three big, big games yeah. in six days. And, uh, and that annoys just- me. It, it pisses me off, but at the end of the day, just write off the Liverpool game. Like, we're not going to win it anyway. Yeah, Play the kids. It's, it, it's, Have the day off. Get rid of them. Uh, yeah, like, I know what you mean. Do it. But we're, we're, try, we're, trying, we're trying to win a title. No, we're, we're trying to get top four. And like, I, I understand that there, there's games that we can kind of accept that, okay, it's very unlikely we win. But surely we want to give ourselves the best opportunities to do it. And we've got, what, 15 games left. There's enough space and time. I don't understand why they've had to squeeze it in. We've had, like, no, we had, like 10 days off in between the two games just now. Like, why couldn't we play yeah. it then? I don't understand. Like, it, it feels, I don't know, unfair. And if it, it feels, again, another this kind of Sky thing where they want a box office thing on that evening, uh, you know, midweek football, rather than actually thinking about, well, what is going to be useful for fans? What's going to be useful for... Because, like, you know, I, I, yep. most people work um, during the week. Obviously, not everyone does, but most people work during the week. Cont- we've had so many evening kickoffs this year, and not a lot of people can get to them. 
because they're either, you know, they've got childcare or they've got, you know, work or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm working till half eight every night. And I appreciate it's not the same with everyone. I'm not just going to use my situation and go, well, they're not helping me. But I think the constant yeah. midweek kickoffs, and it's not when, because I get it because we're not playing in any European football. But I hope that changes back next year because it was, there's so many. Yeah, I also. We've, I feel like we've had so many Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, 8 p.m.s. It's like, why? I just feel like it's. I, th- I feel like they also want to create, like they haven't given us a date for the North London derby yet or the Chelsea game. I feel like they're going to give us the North London derby last game of the season because they want to create yeah. almost this box office ending to the season where both teams could get top four and yep. blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's just, how much of it is just them being shit at their jobs versus wanting to create a narrative? I don't know. Maybe we should get rid of all of them. Yeah. Did you see the the video of Craig Pawson's reaction to Tottenham's winner yesterday? No. Let me see if I can find it for you. It's mental. You see Conte run off and he's gassed. And Pawson, who's the fourth official, I think, genuinely looks at Pep and looks so disappointed that Tottenham have scored. It's going to be quite difficult on an audio platform to... No, I'm going to send it to you so you can see it, your toss pot. Yeah, but no, we have listeners, don't we? Yeah, but they can pop to Twitter. <laughs> Go on, lads. What if they're in a lorry or something? Well, they can't. I'm don't, sorry. Don't, don't go on Twitter and drive. Uh, Octoguna has tweeted us in. He says, random question. Octoguna is basically, should be on the podcast at this point. Random question. If a player Him gives and, out um, their... Sh- who's, who's the other one? <laughs> oh, Debs. God. I've literally... Not Debs, not Debs. Oh, no. I literally just had the name in the front of my head and it's just gone. Nathan Baroda. Where's Nathan, Nathan Baroda? Baroda? Nathan Baroda. He DMs me occasionally. Baroda. What a legend. Uh, random question. If a player gives out their shirt or gloves or shoes, who pays for that? The player, the club or the sponsor? Just a random thought. The player. The player, the pl- player pays, pays for, for the Yeah, the player pays for the shirt um because the shirts are provided by the club so if you hand out your shirt you have to pay the 100 pounds it costs for the shirt i think boots and gloves because they're provided to them by sponsors for free anyway they're owned by the players so the players would either need to ask the sponsor for a new set of gloves or a new set of boots um or just buy them themselves i bet i bet they don't have to pay 100 quid for the shirts because i bet that's the rrp they do they do what have you? Oh, have you yeah, that's, that that's the RRP. That's the RRP, isn't it? No, you are all right. It is. is the I RRP, imagine they so. they can they can get away with paying oh, twenty, like 30 or, quid. Just, or just the manufacturer's yeah. fee, which I imagine is like thirty, you know, thirty sixty five p. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, at DG William says Erdogan's class. I completely agree. Um, you you're still finding this video. Oh, I can't find it. I'm just sacking don't it off. Don't worry about now. it. Just don't worry about it. Maybe you can audio describe it for us, Brad. Don't. No. The la- last th- <laughs> the la- the thing I wanted to discuss really was the moment yesterday where Xhaka L- refused the armband from uh, Nketiah, Nketiah coming onto the pitch, uh, and it ended up being on Nketiah for a second, and then and then it went on to Tierney. Arteta's come out after the game and said it was because Tierney's next in line, which is interesting to I me. Can I, 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 I can believe it, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that Tierney was the next after Lacazette. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. Surely that's something that's been mm-hmm. decided. Um, and secondarily, it might inform us over who who gets the armband next season. Yeah, I'm just gonna a couple of things. Firstly, hot take, and I might have said this on the podcast before, I don't think Kieran Tierney is our long-term left-back. I think if you look at the trend of Arteta fullback signings, he signs two-footed fullbacks who, with the exception of Cedric, have a physical profile. I think what he likes And who can build up well. And who can build up well. And look, Tini can combine well. And he's decent. Tini's not a bad player at all. And his deliveries are top class. Unbelievable player. And his, his mentality is great. And I really like him. But I'm saying for an Arteta system where he wants combinations on the left and right hand side as part of our build up. 
is there a better player there? Someone who is able to recover, has better recovery pace, someone who's better in the one-on-ones, someone who has both feet. I wouldn't be surprised if we go for someone else, either th- probably next summer, I imagine, um, when Tierney's still got some resale value. So then my question is, I don't know that, obviously. <laughs> does Tierney not get the captaincy because long-term he's not going to be there? And then does it go to an Erdegaard or a Benjamin White? And at the moment, my pick is Erdegaard because he runs games for us and we need someone. I, I generally prefer captains who are a bit further forward. I think you also need a captain who's going to be on the pitch um, purely because we've had what? I'm trying to think over the last 10, 10 years, the captains we've had, you know, we've had Mertesacker be a captain, but then pretty much be dropped to the bench for a lot of games. The same thing happened with Arteta. You need a captain that's going to be on the pitch. That's going to be a mainstay on the pitch. And that's going to start in every system and in every game. I don't think Tierney's that. I don't think Ben White is that next season. I could easily see Saliba coming in and starting some games over Ben White or starting some games over Gabriel. I think you maybe, I think for that reason, you give it to to Erdegaard because he is probably in every system going to have a position and a part to play. I, I don't, I can't see him dropping Ben White. And I, uh, and you know, you look at comments this week and he says, you know, he plays every training session like it's a final you know, we're seeing the quality, we're seeing what he can do and how much he's improved. Maybe, like, you know, he's yeah. speaking him up. Maybe I'm wrong then. But I just think when you look at the quality of if we bring back Saliba and we have three quality centre-backs, you can imagine there's going to be a big amount of rotation Saliba. in the, oh, in that three. Saliba. Oh, Saliba. But even if it's not Saliba, we're, go, we're going boob, to buy, we'll have to buy, we'll have to buy another centre-back. If we if it's not going to be him, we'll have to buy someone else to cover because we know that Rob Holding isn't good enough anymore, and we know that um, to be that third option, and we know that Mari's hopefully going to be going out the door. So you can imagine that there is go there's going to be a bit more rotation maybe amongst three players there than there might be in that midfield. I can um, I can see that being more likely than more rotation with Erdegaard out of the team for me. Yeah, it's more likely than Erdegaard. I do agree. It's more likely. But, but, that's, 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 that, but that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Because it's more likely. I think yeah. that's why you give it to Erdegaard because it's more of a guarantee that he is going to be on the pitch for yeah. 36 out of 38 games in a Premier League season if he's not injured. Mm. What's nice is there's so many candidates. You know, you could it could be Ramsdale, it could be White. Gabrielle. Yeah, like we're having to Partey, have a conversation be, about this. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and that's and that's a really good indicator. So there's a group, of, there's a group of leaders and a group of captains there, which is really nice. Um, I mean, I guess it depends what you want your captain to do. I mean, a point uh, I can't remember who made it, but someone made recently was about who do you want representing your club on the pitch? Who do you want going to the referee? Who do you want? shaking hands with the opposition at the beginning of the match who do you, do you like who do you want going mm. who being the representative of what Arsenal is as the kind of you know if you have Patrick Vieira you have someone who is and I'm sorry to always go back to classic captains but it is it's you know what do you what do you expect he is yeah. a physical presence and a very very technically good player so there's a part of me that kind of wants you know on that I don't know if I want Ramsdale because Ramsdale needs to be speaking to the referee and I don't think, you know, he's in goal. He can't be rushing out every single time to speak to the referee. So you want someone who's in the thick of the action. You want someone who holds some kind of status. And I think Erdegaard has a sort of, and I'm looking at Erdegaard, the more and more I do, the more I think he feels like the right guy. I mean, it could be William Saliba. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Honestly, honestly, mate, you, you like Saliba. There are Arsenal fans online who I'm pretty sure would give Saliba the captain soon he comes back. They are they have boners for this boy, having never seen him play for Arsenal apart from against MK I mean, Dons yeah. in the preseason of 1920. He's, ta- he's, ta- he's talented, but like I, I don't think he comes back and and takes a spot from oh, the I don't two want of them. That. I but... don't want the Saliba conversation. I don't want it. I can't be bothered. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I... I, I, I it, 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 it is interesting. And I mean, Lacazette has the captaincy... Also, we there is another scenario that happens where what if Lacazette signs, say, a one-year extension? Which, by the way, if we no. can't, if we get, if we get, <laughs> hear me out, if we get, say, 
DCL and we can't get someone else. We're looking at a very young team still, and I wouldn't mind having Lacazette around as an option off the bench for 30 minutes. He might remain the captain and we might, you know, we might push that to the following summer. So I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's another p- potential scenario. Um, I'm the leaning one, towards two, I, th- I think there's, I th- yeah, I think there's two issues with a Lacazette new contract in that sense. One, say, for example, it is DCL that we get in in the summer. He is not too different in the sense of, like, we're going to want DCL to do a lot of hold-up play combinations, get on the end of crosses. We're, we're basically going to want DCL to do what Lacazette's doing, but also be able to run and get in behind and score. You know, pretty important things. Um, so I don't see what bringing a Lacazette off the bench would give us okay, in games. I don't separate, see- separate conversation. Sure. What about the, in terms of the captaincy situation? And then in terms of the captaincy situation, if he's not going to play, what's the point of him being the captain? Because you're, because all of the reasons that you're saying you want somebody to be the captain, to be there, to shake hands with the opposition, to to represent your club on the pitch, if he's only an option off the bench for 20 minutes, that's the same issues that we had at the end of Mikel Arteta's career when he wasn't playing, at Per Mertesacker's career when yeah. he wasn't playing. I just wouldn't see the point in giving him the captaincy, even if he does stay for an extra year. Because and to be clear, again, I don't you're want that not getting either. those things. I think I Erdegaard is the best either. choice. For me, I think it's got to be Erdegaard. Or maybe I wouldn't. I, but again, it all depends on whether Tierney will be staying. Yeah, and whether he is, because you know, as much as you think you, you think he might not be the long term left back, and I can definitely see your logic in that. Mikel might love him because he gives a different option. He is different to what Tavares is at left back. With yeah. that two-footedness. And with a Dominic Calvert-Lewin through the middle, you need somebody who's able to deliver deliver impeccable crosses 70-80% of the time, which Tierney mm. can. And so I just way, I wonder whether there is a f- whether we're thinking of, of it of the situation now and we're not considering how different it could be in the summer. Mm. And in a way, we already have Tavares. Do you know what I mean? We already have that option at left back. Yeah. So, and he's only going to develop. So if we want that in certain games, we can do that. Um, and we've done that this season. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's a really tough one, actually. And I, I can't call it. I think one thing that's going to be interesting is is watching the All or Nothing documentary and seeing oh God, yeah. how the dynamics develop. Because what might happen is it, is it might be that Ben White's named captain. And I think a lot of people would go, what? Ben White captain? But then watching behind the scenes, I think you'd see... I think I see a lot of... Whenever there's like slow-mos or replays, Ben White always seems to be there. He always seems to be shouting. He always seems to be involved. He always seems to be... So maybe that's the captain mm. that Arteta wants. I, it will all depend. I think the good thing is... Whoever when is the documentary chooses, coming out? August. Um, or no, It's normally out in August or July. Um, the good thing is, what, what whoever uh, Arteta picks, there is a a group of leaders that is exciting and developing and can only be added to, you know, and I think the, the fact that we are so clearly looking for a psychological profile as well as a technical and physical profile when we sign players, that is a indicator that we're looking for people who, who are going to step up and people who are going to be leaders in their own right, whether it's, you know, you have leaders in all sorts of different ways, but I think gone are the days of signing wallflowers who, who don't commit to the project. I I just don't think that's going to happen anymore. Bradley, we just have time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, your theme you gave me was German Arsenal players. And I asked you the question, name the four years in which Lucas Podolski played for Bayern Munich. Bayern Munchen. 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. It was 2006, 7, 8 and 9. Very well done. I've got that at home. Uh, And your theme that you gave me for next week was right backs. So your question for next week is, how tall is Mathieu Debussy? How tall is ex-Arsenal French fullback Mathieu Debussy? And a theme for next week, please. Uh, a theme for next week. Uh, seeing as it was a, a big topic of conversations, conversations, conversation 
previous Arsenal captains. We're going to close out the show, as we do now, with a little reading from the Little Book of Arsenal. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. A random quote. <clears throat> Arsene Wenger expresses his delight and reasoning behind signing British quintet Jack Wilshire, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Kieran Gibbs, Carl Jenkinson and Aaron Ramsey on new long-term contracts December 2012. I'm a strong believer in stability and I believe when you have a core of British players it's always easier to keep them together and that's what we'll try to achieve going forward. Well that worked out well. <laughs> There's a new British core forming, though. There is. There is. There really is. Brad, a pleasure as always. Always, my friend. Never still spun by the teeth comments. Slightly. Still just (laughs) spun. Just not even what to say. Unbelievable. Uh, What else is going on? We're playing uh, Wolves on Thursday, so we'll have a podcast out after that. Are you going to have a preview podcast out for us? I, I will. Uh, I'm messaging people today, so hopefully we will have some people on the podcast this week. Yeah, we're struggling to get, that would <laughs> get be people to reply. We're, which yeah, we're, would be we're nice. struggling. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Thanks, I'm at the game always. as well, which is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Are you going with me? Yes, Mr. Alexander <laughs> J. Moneypenny. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know if your middle name begins with a J. Uh, it, does it, it does. It actually does. That's that was that was an unbelievable guess. guess. Yeah, you've seen that written down, surely. Well, my my middle name begins with a J, so I was like, what, uh, what do you think it stands for? Johan. Yes, exactly. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, knock <laughs> at Johan Cruyff. That's what they name me after. Uh, and we'll see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.